1: Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you wait before the show, as you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game podcast.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvest Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. you got your host here, Justin Townsend. And uh, today, on this day, very special day as always, uh, we've got a guest with us. And uh, we're going to talk about an aspect of wild game that um, I would say people know about and people do. But it may not be as popular as I think. Maybe I'm incorrect. We'll learn more. Um... If that's not a hook, I don't know what is, uh, but uh, I've also got Colin and Emily here with me. They're excited to to learn as well. So uh, some quick updates for me, uh, new since last podcast, went out on my birthday weekend, got after uh, some whitetail in Eastern Colorado here, uh, no whitetail to be found, but I did find a flat tire along the way, which took up about half my day uh, dealing with the flat tire, uh, and I, I took the kids out with me. But we still had a blast. Either way, uh, it was a birthday hunt for me, so I got to spend doing what I enjoy most. And uh, it was a bit relaxing. So I got one more weekend here to try to fill that whitetail tag. And then I am off to Wyoming to try to close out my elk cow tag uh, up in uh, central Wyoming. So those are kind of what's going on in my neck of the woods. Uh, I will... Remind you all, too, that this isn't the only podcast that we have here in the Harvest in Nature repertoire. We also have the Antler and Fin podcast, which is uh, our audio cookbook. If you haven't checked it out, you should check it out. There's probably about six recipes on there now. Uh, We will be updating that very shortly here in the new year and starting on a regular cycle of providing recipes. So essentially what that is, it's like an audio cookbook. So You can pause and play and stop and go and move line by line, ingredient by ingredient through... through whatever recipe we have posted. We choose some of our favorites that come off the website, so you can always reference those for written. But some people like to listen and uh, taste with their ears. That sounds weird. It sounded better in my head. <laughs> um, either way. Um, and also, too, i uh, remind you guys, we got the Facebook community page. So that's the Wild Fishing Game community. That's over on Facebook, uh, as I just mentioned. And it is a, a platform where you can kind of interact with everybody in the Harvesting Nature community. So from me to some of the executive board members to the field staff writers to everybody. We all post pictures and share adventures and food and recipes and all kinds of great stuff there. So that's a good place. You just punch that into the search bar of Facebook and uh request an an entrance into the group and uh we'll gladly admit you and boom, all the fun will begin. Also, too, we've got our hats for reviews. So we like to offer this up. Anybody who leaves us a five-star review with a written comment uh, has the opportunity to get a hat. And I actually have a review to read today, which I'm pretty stoked about. So the review goes like this. I really enjoy and get a lot of ideas for wild game recipes, both from the podcast and the associated wild fish and game community on Facebook. Keep the recipes and great guests coming, Justin and crew. And this is from... uh, uh, a follower, uh, Tansi, T A N A S I, 373. So uh, go ahead and shoot us an email at what's cooking at com, and uh, pick a hat off the website and uh, send us the hat you like and your mailing address, and I will get that in the mail to you here very shortly. So thanks for the review. Uh, anybody can do that. You just do that from whatever podcast platform that you listen to. That helps us grow in our rankings on the old Apple podcast platform which is the be all end all of a lot of podcast stuff so but now i'll go quickly around uh colin i'll give you the floor you got any
1: updates uh yeah i do since i think the last time i was on was when i was in colorado after our Mm -hmm. mule deer hunt um so if you hadn't seen on our instagram i the next weekend after that mule deer hunt i got an elk my so I got my first elk and first deer within a week of each other, which was pretty awesome. Um, much thanks to Ben. He's not here right now, but he knows. I appreciate all of his help. Uh, I'm probably going to do a, an Adventures for Food episode about the the elk hunt because it was pretty fantastic. Um, a lot of running down hills, speeding up a highway, and then running up hills, and then trying to quarter this elk in you know, fifty five degree weather and pouring rain and trying to get that out before midnight. It was quite an adventure. Um ended up getting actually just got the meat back last week. Got about hundred and eight pounds worth of meat. Um there's a little bit of loss just because of we were working fast trying to get it out of the out of the rain, out of the relatively high temps. Um it wasn't as cold as I would have liked it. And it wasn't as dry as I would have liked it. Uh yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. I actually have some elk steaks to to cook tonight from it. So I've got a freezer full. So in,
2: in and this is you d- you did all this on the Coast Range in in Oregon.
1: Yep, Coast Range. Yeah, uh, first day of the general season, public lands, DIY over the counter, whatever other hashtags you want to throw at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what uh what what type of elk? It's a Roosevelt elk. So it was a nice. five by five bull. Uh it wasn't the bigger bigger of the two bulls in this small group that we saw, um, but the big one we saw went into the woods for it to get a shot off. But yeah, pretty excited about it. There's not there's
3: awesome not very man. many people that can say they killed a Roosevelt elk for their first elk. So
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh that's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. There's there's some really crazy details in there. Actually Ben got a lot of it on video too, uh so we're gonna come yep. out with a little film. But uh there's some just like crazy details that happened as we were going towards the elk that are, are pretty comical to look back on. But, uh, yeah, it makes for a good story. So,
2: I'm excited to I just, see, like, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I'm excited to see what becomes of the film because i've i've heard I've heard the details both from you and from Ben and uh it's quite the the cinematic adventure I would say yeah Ben's so. probably
1: gonna have to dub over and narrate a lot of it because <laughs> it might be inappropriate <laughs> but, uh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, other than that uh did a little bit of goose hunting came back with two goose a couple weeks ago and that's really it I'm just kind of been coasting now. Nice man. Well, congrats. Sounds like
2: it's a, a good good season so far. So yeah, thanks. Uh, oh, over to you, Emily. Uh,
3: it's just been crazy at work, so there hasn't been a whole lot of hunting going on. But we do have our uh, holiday antlerless season coming up that we are going to host some veterans and get some get some meat down for them. And then we're going to take uh, some more veterans down to Texas after Christmas. So that's what we have in the books. Right now in the near future.
2: Nice. Nice. That'll be fun. How's the weather there?
3: Oh my gosh, it's been so weird. It's been like we the other night it was super bad wind and lightning. No rain, no nothing. It was just like tornado type wind with just like crazy lightning in December. And it wasn't it wasn't that yeah. cold. And like right now it's fifty two degrees at you know seven forty eight PM. It's, so it's it's weird temperature I, I don't know Oklahoma right now is not doing what it should be doing in December
2: yeah I mean that's pretty standard for Oklahoma weather like this unpredictable. this is actually
3: more unpredictable than normal like I haven't worn like long underwear very often this year and that's that's very abnormal
2: okay okay all right well um. Anything else on you guys' mind before I introduce our guests? Let's do this. All right. Well, actually, uh, I, I'm going to introduce you, and then I'm going to let you introduce yourself, uh, <laughs> as weird <laughs> as that sounds. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll share. So uh, Cassie and I interacted a little bit on social media, and, and I saw a post about uh, soap making uh, that you were, you were chatting about with some folks on a page uh where you were saying, Hey everybody don't throw away your game fats and we've we've done a lot of uh conversations. We did a whole episode with the the Elevated Wild crew on uh different uses for different game fats based on an article they wrote. But we've never touched on soap making. And even though it's kind of out of the realm of uh you know, cooking, I guess it's still cooking in a way, um Maybe not for consumption, unless you say bad words. Your mom washes your mouth out with soap, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's something really cool and something really interesting, and, and it falls in line with the whole concept that, that we really get behind about using the entirety of the animal. So, uh, Castiel, go ahead and, uh, if you could int- introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and where you're from.
5: Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. So I am from the the west coast of Washington originally. That's where I grew up when I was little. Spend a lot of time in eastern Washington on my grandparents' farm. So that's where I really learned to, to be outside, I guess. And then from there, I moved to Idaho um, when I went into grad school. I was in Idaho for four years. Loved it. Um, if I could claim that that was my home than I would. And then I moved to Colorado three years ago uh, for job for a job opportunity. So it's it's been a bit of bouncing around the West and I'm thinking this is the farthest east I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go. Um, and hopefully I'll be here a while. So right now I live, when I moved to Colorado originally, I, I had a job in Boulder. Mm-hmm. So I lived there for a little while. Um, eventually moved over to Thornton so a little bit closer to Denver and then in January of this year I moved to the San Luis Valley uh, which is in southwest Colorado and it is beautiful remote um, tons of public land it is a very poor area I think it's the 5th poorest county in the state Um, but what it Lacks in, um, I guess, ease of going to the grocery store or running out to buy a, a Starbucks or something. It makes up for in um, everything else: the views, the the opportunities, and um, it's it's been a real fun experience being out here so far. Um, and I guess that's only a little bit about where I am. So I sit right now on the board for Colorado, the Colorado chapter. Of backcountry hunters and anglers Um, I'm an Artemis ambassador which is a subsidiary of um, the Wildlife Federation at the NWF and I um, work with a couple different outdoor type organizations um, to try to uh, promote um, outdoor opportunities I guess and um, and one of the more recent projects I've been working on with BHA is this Women in the Woods programming. Um, so that's been my my big push with them lately. Um, in my day job, I'm a material scientist that takes up the majority of my time. <laughs> in reality, so this is the kind of stuff I do for fun um, when I'm not when I'm not doing that kind of stuff.
2: That's fair. Yeah, I <laughs> I hear you on that. If only I could do this for for all my day, this would be great. <laughs> um, but no, thanks. Thanks for sharing your story and uh, kind of what you're involved in. So, how uh, how's the season been this year for you? What what great great grand or uh, any adventures have you have you been on?
5: Um, it's been pretty good. I had uh, several big game tags. I went out. Um, I had a buck tag, and then I had a cow elk and uh antlered elk tag all right here basically where i live um but unfortunately i I really did not have much opportunity to go out for elk i I harvested uh, my mule deer buck which was fantastic because i had been on a couple year dry spell Um, and i was really grateful for that opportunity um and you know, there's, there's some things I'm missing, like some ice fishing opportunities that I'm hoping come up again soon. Uh, but one of the really neat things about living down here so far is that there's a lot more waterfowl oh, hunting yeah. than um, over in the, on the Eastern side of Colorado. And so, uh, I've, I've, been able to go out for waterfowl a lot more than I ever have before and it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm not great at it <laughs> by any means, but I really I really enjoy it.
1: That's awesome. Is that still part of the, the central flyway? The eastern part of It Colorado? is. Okay. Yeah.
5: Um actually I think it might split. I think it might be part of the western flyway. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Um I'm not sure where the boundary is, right. but um so this is the big migration route for the cranes. So there's a huge crane migration that comes through here, um, but you cannot hunt cranes, sandhill cranes in this area because it's a huge, um, like, nesting and migration route.
1: Oh. Hmm. Okay.
2: That's interesting. Yeah, I I tried to get – I picked up a crane permit this year and intended to go, and then I realized somebody quickly told me, it was like, oh, you already missed it. And I was like, oh. Oh, no. I was like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, that sucks when that happens. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, well, I'm the I'm the noob Colorado guy. So um and I I've been trying to do some of the same, like a, or, uh exploring the waterfowl opportunities and I'm I'm definitely running into what you're mentioning is like in eastern Colorado there's not much there's not much opportunity. It's a lot of the I find some of the uh reservoirs are very uh quickly reserved for their blinds and Colin and I went out while he was here and Uh, We happened to hop in, like, at the end of the day and hunt the evening, and just, like, the geese were high and high and wide, and it was uh, a little bit challenging. But I see them. It's so frustrating because I take my daughter to school, and I'm on, like, the eastern edge of Denver, and I must see every day thousands of geese just flying around. Mm
3: -hmm. But it's all,
2: like, all the land out here is owned by development corporations for the airport and all that other stuff like that, and it's just, like... They, they must sit hundreds of geese on each little section of land yeah. and i'm just like it's just untouchable
5: <laughs> i know it's so frustrating when you see a flock 400 geese coming into land and you know there's nowhere within 50 miles that you could go to hunt even if you wanted to yep but
2: yeah but so well. Most, uh, that's a well uh yeah how it that's is. <laughs> that's how the cookie crumbles <laughs> but um <laughs> uh, I'm starting to find some little pockets. I, I think I'll have it worked out probably by the end of the year, and then I'll I'll be ready for next year, and then I'll have like a definitive plan. Uh, is the, is the hope? So, oh well, that's good. I'm glad you're.
5: Yeah, I've heard that. I've I've heard that if you get up into the mountains, there's if you find small ponds mm-hmm. in the mountains, there's some real good opportunity up there.
2: That's good to know. That's a good tip. I, I've been trying to keep an eye out as we've cruising around, but I haven't found a like a honey hole up there yet. So. <laughs> Uh, this last little cold snap pushed a lot of birds down. I've noticed a increase in numbers over the past week or so, so mm-hmm. hopefully that continues. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? So do you do you do any out of state hunting, or you kind of just stick to Colorado? Uh,
5: I put in for I put in for Wyoming pronghorn tags every year. Um, I don't put in for points up there, but I do the. Um, I can't remember. I think it's like called the leftover. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's the real cheap. It's like fifty bucks for yeah. for a tag, um, and it's it's doe tags only. And they have them for whitetail also. But I put in for those uh, every year. <laughs> and when I first moved down here, um, the I, I put a bunch of time into looking at draws, studying units, percentage of public land, percentage of a harvest, and uh, I found a unit got tags for me and my husband and my brother-in-law and we had a great hunt we got two tags each and um then from there the the draw odds Mm -hmm. dropped because you know it got more popular a little bit harder for out-of-staters and so that was a one-time deal for me it hasn't happened again but I'm going to keep trying um and I have a I have a lifetime license in Idaho, um, so I've hunted there once since we moved back. Or sorry, since we've moved to Colorado, but um, I I don't have plans to go back yet. Um, hopefully soon though. The out of state tags are pretty expensive. Uh, I mean, I guess it's all relative, right? But um, I have I just haven't gone I haven't gone back yet, and I don't have plans to um, anytime soon probably.
2: Yeah. No. no no worries um uh, i was thinking i think they uh, ben he's our our managing editor uh for the writing side he and i were chatting the other day cuz we were looking at the the Idaho draw like opened up and he's like last year it closed and like all the tags sold out in like 3 hours and i was like that's insane so
4: mm-hmm.
2: something i i'd like to make it up there i haven't been to idaho uh i think idaho and washington are still on my my list of places to go in in the in the world but uh, uh mm-hmm. i heard beautiful or great things about how beautiful it is
5: <laughs> you hear two things right you either hear that it's the best place ever or you hear that it's terrible <laughs> um That's fair. and the the folks the folks that seem to think that there's nothing there have probably only stayed on the highway mm-hmm. which if you've only stayed on the highway, then that's definitely true. And that's, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, once you, once you head north, it's a whole different story.
2: Yep. I, I believe it. I believe it. And sometimes people are just a little too intimidated to venture off, which that's where you found the good stuff at.
4: So. Right.
2: I, I do have a couple questions, and and these are these are some questions that we like to ask everybody. So, what are three items in your freezer that you're looking forward to cooking?
5: Yeah, I um, so I've got a I've got some weird stuff in my freezer always.
4: Yes. <laughs>
5: <laughs> right, right now, um, I guess the things that I'm most looking forward to are are not terribly exciting but um the first one is is my my deer from this season for the first time ever I hung and dry aged the entire thing um, I do all of my butchering myself and so I uh dry aged the whole thing before I processed it and got it in the freezer and um i had never I'd always just got it home butchered right away right into the freezer uh and I just you know you hear you hear like you have to dry age, or you should, or you should try it, or it makes a big mm-hmm. difference. And for some reason in my mind, it's always, I'm sure, but I doubt it's that big of a difference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, It's just like a, it's just an extra step. Um, but anyway, I, I did that for the first time and I, I, um, I can say that it, it, it makes a difference and it seemed, um, I, it was a young buck this year, so maybe that's, that's to thank for it. But, um, uh, it's really, really good meat. And I'm looking forward to, to every bit that I cook from that. Um, Got one of those too. the second thing, <laughs> yeah, The yeah. <a> young one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I told, I told myself this year cause like I said, I kind of had a dry spell. So I told myself this year, the first, the first legal buck I saw was going in my freezer and, and that's what I did. So nice. <laughs> I have no regrets. <laughs> I regret nothing. Um, so the other thing is, so since we moved out to the valley, um, we've been raising our own livestock, or at least starting to, and so I got a bunch of chickens this year, and I processed all of them, and, you know, like, chicken is not terribly exciting, but for the first time ever, I have all of the, the weird bits, and I'm a big fan of weird bits. Yeah. Like, we have, like like, rooster testicles, which... Huh is not that's, really appealing but that
2: is a weird bit i haven't heard yet
5: <laughs> yeah um those are something you can eat and um apparently are supposed to be great hmm. uh but what i'm looking forward to more is like the feet and the heads and all of that stuff that you put in a like a pressure uh-huh. cooker for a few hours and make that really collagen rich like je- gelatin-y bone broth i love that Um, and I've been doing that with the carcasses so far, but I haven't done all of the heads and feet yet. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then the last thing is the pig. We had a pig. I had a pig that we butchered this last year and I have the whole thing broken down. That was an experience. I I assumed that processing a pig would be very similar to a deer or an elk. And I was (laughs) very wrong. I'm sure that like the muscle groups in theory are the same, but it is a very different Mm -hmm. experience. Um, especially when you're butchering a pig in like 90 degree heat because you're, you bought it in the wrong season. (laughs) Um, uh, so anyway, we have all of that in the freezer and we have the head, the whole entire head stored waiting to be roasted. And we're going to try to roast the whole thing on the smoker. Um, and I've heard it's great. I've seen people do it. Um, and so I'm excited to try that, but it's going to be a whole endeavor. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Might be tricky. Was it domestic or wild? This is It was domestic. I, I have never hunted pig. Uh, like I've never been down. I think we're supposed to have them down in southeast Colorado a little bit maybe, but I haven't been hunting in other states that, that have pig. I really, I really want to though.
3: If anybody has, we do, like, we some,
5: a plot in Texas that they we, need to take care of... We got you. We got
3: you. You come on. Give, give me a call. We'll, we'll take the entire Harvesting Nature crew. Okay. We can go, we can go Perfect. Hardcore. Come on.
4: <laughs> okay. I'm down for that.
3: Okay, it's a date. <laughs>
4: don't don't yeah. threaten
2: me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Colin. Go ahead.
1: My dad sent me a video a little while ago of... Uh, I forget where it was. It was somewhere in, like, Eastern Europe, but they... Cook an entire cow's head and wrap it in some kind of material. I think it's just like a cloth, but then they put it in like the oven and everything, and they like roast the entire cow's head as is. Um, nothing else, just the head. It's probably so delicious. I sent it to the to the, our little group I, chat, and there's probably some wild game application to that too. But yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's great. I
5: tried I tried a moose head this year, so there was a moose that got whacked. It just got center punched on the highway. Um, and we ended up with the head from it, and I tried to roast it in the ground, mm-hmm. you know how yep. they do like on a big bed of charcoal? That's what this was, it was, um, it was in the ground, yeah. <laughs> this turned into, uh, our, our, our soil is like heavy clay, so I had this big like pit fire, super hot, huge, buried the head, covered it with dirt like you're supposed to. And I came back a couple hours later and it was just like the fire had gone out completely. It was smothered <laughs> like nothing happened at all. It was just completely raw. I thought you were
2: going to say it was like so, a big yeah, a big happen. clay brick <laughs> with just a moose head inside.
3: <laughs> no, so, it so I was guess educate us on people was... who don't roast <laughs> animal heads. What are you doing with it? Are you eating just like the jaw meat? Uh-huh. And the head meat and the brain? Yeah. Different kinds of um, I I
5: probably wouldn't do brain. I wouldn't either, but I'm just asking. Um, is this is this normal <laughs> practice? Yeah. I think you could, I think you could. I, I don't know. So nobody quote me on that. I don't know if you could eat the brain or not. I'm sure you could in theory, but I wouldn't, but different kinds of animals right. like the pig and the cow, they they have a mm-hmm. lot of muscles that hold their jaw and their face together. And like like a pig head, even when you take it all the way up, they're like big old thick necks. So there there's a lot of meat on the front of that face. And even like the ears and the snout, like all of it, you can eat. You can chop it up and turn it into like tacos or whatever. It's like the kind of stuff that looks weird until you chop it up, right? And then it's all just meat.
3: Um, Yeah, we do euros on stuff like that, and there's so much meat around. And like, we've taken alligators, and we've taken the jaw meat off the alligators. But like, you know, pigs—you you you kill so many pigs, it's like eh, whatever. We're just gonna do the euros on it. There's so much meat there that I guess we're probably missing out on.
1: Uh, Guanciale, isn't that a cured? Pig and jowls.
3: Pig. Colin had a twenty-five jowls. cent word. Yeah, jowls. yeah. Pig jowls.
4: So it's a...
1: Yeah.
2: Bon Charlie.
4: I'll put that in the
2: notes. <laughs> Common spelling. <laughs> Could you use it in a sentence. <laughs> um. No, I, I I was thinking. So we recently had Jesse Griffiths on. Uh, I guess it was earlier in the year, mid mid in the year, and he he has the the hog book, and there's a roasted. Uh, pig head in there recipe, um, which would be very applicable. But yeah, I, I think you can do a lot of things too. Uh, you know, you look at traditional French cookery and you get like oh, yeah. the head cheese or like uh, some of the terrines where you're starting to you're starting to use the mm-hmm. the meat and the collagens and stuff like that. Like that stuff's really really good. Yeah. But yeah,
5: some real good potted meat. Yeah,
2: that's delicious stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, that's it. That's awesome.
3: You're getting into the bones like soap.
2: What? <laughs>
4: right. Yeah, I, I was just about there. to
2: say what what a what a segue. I I'm just gonna go ahead and sign off, Emily. You got the show now. <laughs> um, well now, all right, so let, let's get into it. So obviously we're talking about soap making now. <laughs> um so, however did you arrive at the point of making soap from Wild Game? It's like...
5: Yeah, it's kind of the, the same way that I've gotten into all this other junk. Is like, I'm real, real interested in all versions of using mm-hmm. all the weird bits, right? And so, uh, full-on, like, nose-to-tail, whatever I can use, I want to know how. And I want to make it something that... It's like, not that... it can be used or in theory I could eat it or use it, but I, Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, right. So, um, that's, that's kind of what got me started is I saw some lady online talking about soap making or like, maybe I saw some old school homestead, uh, soap making thing. I can't real, can't really remember about how it used to be made. Uh, historically soap was just made, with animal fat and potash right mm-hmm. potash right but just like a a real uh, fundamental version of lye and um i was thinking i was like well if people are talking about making tallow soap because people go and buy fat back or they'll buy tallow from butcher shops and cut it up and make tallow products um candles soap all that kind of stuff I was like, if people are doing that. Why can't I do that with deer or elk or whatever other animal has a bunch of fat on it? Because you hear all the time about how it's well, and anybody that's tried to eat it, you know, you know, it's not real tasty. It coats your mouth.
2: Yeah, a bit um, waxy. It's
5: just not. It's just. It's just not something you really want to mm-hmm. eat, right? Um, and so I, you know, I wanted to be able to use. That portion of any animal I kill, just as much as I use everything else, um, and so I looked into recipes for for tallow soap or how to render tallow, and, and that's just kind of how it it just went from there, um, and it ended up being a lot more simple than I than I expected it so to be. So what's the
2: if if you give us like a high level view, like what what are the components in soap and like, I guess maybe yeah. I'm thinking of it more complex so, than it is, but. I don't know.
5: It's it's really really simple. So at its core, all soap is is lye and fat. That's all you need. So um, back in the day, soap making was like a once a year process, and it was done typically at the same time as harvest, like uh, mm-hmm. animal harvest, because as you're butchering all the animals, you have all this excess tallow, and so when you pile that all up, you don't want to store it all right, and you don't want it to go rancid or anything, and so while you're doing this butchering, you would also make your batch of soap for the year. And you would boil fat bits, um, just random fat bits with whatever version of lye um, they had and make your make your soap for the year. And um, so really that's all you need. And, and people make it real fancy now. <laughs> like you see some bars of soap. I've seen some in the grocery store that are like 7 or $8 a bar or something like that. You know, like people have really gone... Uh, Above and beyond with um, ingredients and all that kind of stuff. But really all it is is some kind of fat and lye. Um, And then what that process does is called saponification. And so it breaks down the lye, sodium hydroxide, which is like – it's extremely caustic. So um, like if you've seen the movie Fight Club where uh, the guy – Kisses the other guy's hand and then dumps that powder on it and it mm-hmm. burns his skin off. That's that's mm. lie. Um, and so that powder reacts with fat. And it the reason, same reason you can use it as drain cleaner is the reason why it makes soap is because it reacts with organics and it creates this kind of chemical process. And if you have it in the right ratios, um, you end up with soap.
2: So, is this like could this be a dangerous process? Um,
5: I mean, I guess if you were like really, I I wouldn't give it to my like I wouldn't give it to a five year old to do, um, but I would maybe give it to a five year old to help okay. with. Okay. You know, it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, as long as you're you're being careful of Colin's the out. the lie part <laughs> itself. <laughs> The rest of it's totally, All totally fine.
4: <laughs> but,
5: I've seen I've seen videos of folks with like full on goggles, rubber gloves, aprons, like going outside in the parking lot, to, like you know, and it's it's not bad. that <laughs> it's not that dangerous. Yeah, you don't you don't want to like stick your face over the live mm-hmm. water mixture and like breathe it in, but if you just like put it on your counter. And don't stand over it. Like treat it like chopping onions. You'll probably
2: be okay. That's a good. That's a good tip. Probably it's very relatable. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
5: (laughs) Just keep your face like far enough (laughs) away from it that you don't cry. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) So, uh, in in your experience of the game fats, which which has worked best?
5: I've primarily used elk so far because that's what I've gotten my hands on. Um, before I had elk, so I started this during my dry spell of not being not having animals to use myself. Um, and I started getting elk fat from my friend Spencer. Uh, you guys might know I don't know he's he's uh, owns high country harvest so he he processes a lot of animals each year and he gave me a couple like gallon Ziploc bags of fat. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's how I started. And so the very first time, I tried, I tried from a pronghorn that I shot in Wyoming pretty early in the season and it had no fat on it really. It had like, like, like maybe a handful, Uh, but I was like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try it. And yeah, it didn't work. Um, (laughs) But I, uh, after getting the elk fat, that's, that's been pretty good. And I've just recently made some with, um, deer fat and it's, it's pretty much the same, very similar.
2: Okay, that's good to know. So, if I've got so, say next week I go shoot my elk, mm-hmm. and uh, I've I've now got an elk. Mm-hmm. Uh, one. How how much fat? I guess how much fat do you need? How much would you recommend or can you play with the ratios and then how do I save it is it can I freeze it or do I need to do it like immediately?
5: no I so um in every batch so each batch of soap I make is like a it makes a log that's maybe like three inches wide, three or four inches wide by three or four inches high and about. 10 or 12 inches long, I guess. So it's like a loaf, kind of like a loaf of soap. And I think I use Mm -hmm. in each of those batches, I, so I mix my fat sources, but in each of those I use around 11 ounces of tallow. If that helps you. Um, So you don't need a lot. Like the deer that I got this year um, wasn't super fatty, but just the, the, the tallow, it's not really called tallow on game, I guess, but that's, uh, it, the fat off of the hind quarters, um, you know, like that rump region. That's where they store a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of their fat. Um, that's where I get most of it off of, and um, that was plenty. That's enough for probably a couple batches of soap off of the the one deer. Um,
4: wow, that's cool.
5: Yeah, and and in order to store it. So I think one of the things that's maybe a little bit intimidating talking to a few people who want to try this, but don't really know where to start is like the, the cleaning, like you said, storing it and cleaning it and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you cut the fat off of your animal, um, you don't need to worry about it being like real clean. Um, and all you have to do is trim it off. It's fine if it has bits of dirt and meat and hair and all of that doesn't matter. It's all going to come out in the washing process. Um, so just take all of it off that you can get any little chunk of fat that you would normally put in your discard pile or your trash pile, just throw Mm -hmm. it in a Ziploc bag, like a gallon Ziploc bag, squeeze the air out of it and put it in the freezer and just, you can just leave it until like, say you have an animal that's doesn't have any fat on it at all, or you just don't have time or whatever. You can just keep storing it in a bags or the same bag until you've got enough to, to do a rendering process.
2: Okay. Do you think, uh, do you think bear fat would work?
5: I think people like to eat bear fat. So, um,
2: it's definitely true.
5: So I would say probably save the stuff that you can eat for eating. Um, mm. I, I've never, I've never had bear fat. I've never shot a bear. Um, and I've never used it for soap. Um, but I don't there's no reason why it wouldn't work. It's, it's fat I mean you okay. can use a whole range of it. So what it changes, so what would change on the different kinds of fat you can use um, is that it gener- it has like different textures in the finished product,
2: product. So I'd probably lean towards like bare fat shampoo. <laughs> this yeah. is like
5: Yeah, something like that.
2: <laughs> a bar of bear fat soap. Yeah. <laughs> gotta get uh
5: gotta get your hands on like that jar of snake oil and make snake oil soap or something like that.
2: Oh man, that's like a million <laughs> dollar product right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's some. uh, Have you heard? Like people are trying to put push the culinary use of uh, of like pythons from down in the Everglades. This was Mm -hmm. a big deal when I was in. They're like, no, it's great. Like you can use the fat for cooking, and you're like, oh this. And I was like, Like, I don't know. There's some. There's some tests there. They're saying it's. We probably shouldn't be consuming that. But
5: uh, anything they can do to get rid of them.
2: Oh, it's a it's a race. I don't know that they're trying to commercialize it so like hey we're gonna sell this python meat and it's just like i don't know how i've heard
5: them trying to work with like big celebrities to try to get like um like belts and you know to make it a fashion statement to have their mm-hmm. skins but i think we've got a niche here where we just like render them all down and make yeah who our wants own a python belt Everglades Python soap, soap. i think we've got
2: oh, that's it
4: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
5: help Uh, wash there's clean line. (laughs) there you go go. there's our slogan (laughs) gotta trademark that yep
2: (laughs) you heard it first here folks (laughs) (laughs) um all right so now we've got i've got my fat in a ziploc bag i've stored Mm -hmm. it now we come back a couple weeks later i thought it out um aside from this fat if i say i get my bag of Ziploc bag of fat on the table. Mm-hmm. What other ingredients would I be looking at?
5: So first is the rendering process, and you—we okay. don't have to go through like the whole rendering process, but you—you you render it the same way you would any other fat, um, in that you fill up a big pot with water uh, and your fat, and let it simmer for a few—excuse uh, me, a few hours, and then you pour that into some kind of container and you let it get hard. The fat floats to the surface and all the other dirt. So like I was saying, the hair or the meat or Mm. all that other stuff stays in the water down below. And so you pull that top layer of fat off. And then I normally do one or two cleaning steps after that, where I take that separated fat, put it in another pot with clean water, bring it up to a boil, let it, uh, Let it solidify again, and then I'll do that one more time. And by the end, you have a pure white, no debris, pretty much no smell product that is just pure fat.
4: That's all the other all the
5: other junk is left behind.
2: So that that rendering process, uh, I think it's called wet rendering. Yeah. I, we've, we've talked about it a little before uh, with use for like waterfowl to get the fats mm. out of like the skin of waterfowl and stuff like that mm. uh, and then Emily you guys put mm. out a great video yep. when you did the bear fat right but you guys did it you guys did kind of a, a different rendering yeah, method, because Cause that was more fat, for culinary use and
3: so we were rendering bear fat for cooking and eating purposes so no, no
2: but not for shampoo
5: so
3: you yeah, wanted you wanted to, you eat wanted eat to it,
4: keep the flavor, it. right? It was yeah. freaking fantastic. Yeah.
3: It was like the most mm-hmm. amazing thing. <laughs> but it makes sense yeah. to do it the way you're and talking about for soap, which is amazing. Yeah, it, and it I, I will say
2: just
5: all the impurities and all the yeah. all the smell.
2: And I will say you can you can uh, render for culinary use that way as well. Just but just like you just At said right point, now, you're gonna get a more if neutral. You wanted product. to
1: add like a scent in and say like pine needles or something. Uh, get some of that. Get some of that fresh pine scent. When do you do that?
5: <laughs> yeah, that. So 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 now now you have your so say you've done that rendering and cleaning process. Mm-hmm. Um, once you've done that, you've got your tallow. Now you need, if you're going to use a mixture of fats, you need those. So I typically use tallow olive oil and coconut oil, um, not, not exact, not like one-third, 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 um, but I use primarily tallow and I use a little bit of the other two. Um, and there's a lot of documentation you can find online for what properties different kinds of oil oils leave in your soap, um, but olive oil is like a really nice, um, like it leaves a really smooth and like sensitive skin moisturizing bar um, the tallow itself is really nice for your skin. It, it mimics your natural oils really well. So it's, it's just really nice for dry skin. I actually make just like a regular tallow balm also for my knuckles cause they get destroyed in the winter. Oh man, they um, are so terrible right now. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, if that's, so say the whole soap process is not for you, you could still do that rendering process and mm-hmm. then just like mix in a little bit of olive oil with your tallow at the end and then Bam, boom, you're done, easy. Um, But for the soap process, you'll need all of your oils, like I mentioned, all your fats, and then you need your sodium hydroxide, your lye. Um, You'll need a scale, um, maybe a thermometer, you don't necessarily have to have one, but you can just use your same kitchen thermometer that you use for everything else, that's what I do. Um, And then a glass or Pyrex bowl or plastic. You don't want to use metal because it'll react um, with the the saponification process. Um, And so what you do is you melt all of your fats together um, so they're liquid and then you put your sodium hydroxide powder into uh, your measured amount of water which um, again these are the exact ratios you can find calculators for all over on the internet. Um, So you have your fat, your sodium hydroxide, and water mixture. You pour them together. You use like an immersion blender, or even like a little like I wouldn't say a whisk because it'll take a really long time, but like you know, like your egg beater type. Oh yeah, whisk. like
2: a cake the cake beater. Yeah.
5: Yes, <laughs> I can't remember what it's <laughs> the, called. Uh, uh,
2: I can't remember either. Wow.
5: Yeah. You get everybody live and then all the words go out the window, but, (laughs) um, and then you, yeah, just, I use an immersion blender and you just stick it in, turn it on and wait for about, I don't know. You can see the process happening. It normally takes me about three minutes. And then you, when you lift the immersion blender out, um, it'll almost look like pudding and that's how you know pretty much you're done. Um, and at that point that's when you add your scent, whatever scent you want to add. Um, And then you just mix it all up in there and then you pour it into any kind of mold you have. Um, and then you let it sit for about a day, two days until it's hard, take it out of the mold, cut it up. Um, normally I let it sit in a window or something for about a week or two. So it can firm up. Um, because right when your soap is fresh, it still has a higher moisture content. Mm. And so if you go to like put it in the shower, it'll dissolve a lot faster. So I set it out and let it dry for
2: a while and then it lasts longer huh i wonder and this may this you may not have the answer to this so we may have to look at someone may need to reference this but if they're in a more humid client climate because i've noticed like denver colorado is very dry so like you can dry herbs here but like where i used to live in the mm-hmm. florida keys it was humid and salty all the time and so you couldn't dry herbs they would just turn nasty Mm-hmm. So I wonder if mm-hmm. someone may have to use like a dehydrator or, or something like that to kind of increase that process.
5: Yeah, I'd be, I'd be wary of, of drawing too much of the moisture out. Cause then you're, you might end up with like really brittle bars, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I've, I,
2: hmm.
5: I'm not really sure. That's
2: good. We, we can circle around. I'll, I'll. I'll look that up and see. That's an interesting question.
5: Yeah. From the stuff I've read, I've read, you know, different soap making processes for all from all over the place. And I haven't I I don't think the idea is to like really dry it out um, to make it like a, a real dried product, but just to get some of the residual moisture out. So it probably doesn't have to be, you know too terribly intense of a drying process. Motel
2: soap bars. We're looking for a little step above that.
5: (laughs) 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 Yeah, right. Not too much chalk. Exactly.
2: So how how long does it normally keep for once once you've got it?
5: Um, I haven't found the uh, spoiling stage yet. Um I normally I guess I make soap maybe twice a year right now. Um and I haven't had I had I had a few bars that I had like lost I guess when we moved and then I found them again maybe a year year and a half later and um, they had a little bit more of a fatty smell mm-hmm. to them um, but not rancid by any means and um, they still worked just as well as they did when they were fresh. Um, so I haven't, I had, and that those were just stored under my sink. So it's not like I had them in some kind of, you know, vacuum sealed freezer bag and stored in a deep freeze or something like that. So, um, I don't know. I think if you make a batch to begin with, you're not going to, and just like see how you mm-hmm. like it, you're probably not going to have too much of an issue with it going bad. You know, you're not talking like a one month spoiling process. You're probably looking at like a 6 months or a year
2: everybody's life. taking baths every day we have to use the and soap right, if you're, yeah. i guess if you're really concerned you, you all the soap
1: it, which is a whole other site is why do you have soap in your freezer but yeah, yeah don't worry about that yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's next to the yeah. Roo- yeah, it's next to the rooster
2: tex- testicles so don't worry about that
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just don't look just just don't look in my freezer
2: it's better off that way um Uh, what do you, do you do scents for yours?
5: I do. Um, and I just, you know, one of the really neat things about making your own soap is that, um, well, I mean, one, it's, it's a high quality product. It's cheap. Mm -hmm. You know exactly what goes in it and you can tailor it. Like I was saying, I make like, I, sometimes I put olive oil, sometimes I put more or less, whatever you can tailor it to whatever you want it to be for, um and you can make it smell however you want. So like if you're really feeling in the Christmas spirit, you can do, you know, sugar cookies and whatever whatever the the most common Walmart candle <laughs> smell is right now for, for just Christmas. Um next <laughs> year. Yeah, snowflake smell. I um Yeah Yes, yeah. For your fall season you can have your pumpkin spice <laughs> tallow bars. Um, <laughs> don't eat them. <laughs> I yeah. I uh, I normally just keep like a small small stash of different essential oils, and I'll just mix those based off of whatever I'm feeling. Um, there's there's websites that sell that sell pre mixed um, scents, and I've had two. But there's one called Brambleberry is the website, and they have this one called um, Juniper. And sage, mm-hmm. um, and and it. I don't know. When I first started using that, I was like, "This is so smart to use with
4: like yeah. something."
5: <laughs> it was just like, it just seemed bright. um, But I normally do like lavender or tea tree or lemon. I think you know. Just I kind think of this basic. is
2: like an entrepreneur episode because that's like now I'm well, now we're on to something else. Now you got like you got like natural <laughs> scents for recommended game. You could do like cornfield for right tailed deer, and you know
5: yeah i had a whole plan i had like i had like stamps and stuff and like different scents i was going to use for different game species and i was like one i'm i'm not an entrepreneur <laughs> i don't have a company um two i'm not making this in enough quantity to actually sell it's just for myself so i don't know why i'm going through this much effort <laughs> but you can really get you know you can really get creative with it it's a, it's a lot of fun
2: that's awesome no i uh Man, this it's such a cool process. I definitely uh, I'm excited, hopefully to fill these last two tags, and I, I think I'm gonna carve out some fat for sure.
5: Yeah, yeah. Save yourself. Yeah, a bag. we
2: get real particular about the soaps we use uh, here at the house, especially my wife mm-hmm. with the kids. Kids' skin's kind of sensitive, so some of the the normal stuff that mm-hmm. you, you would buy it doesn't really work well for them plus it's like it adds that that extra little layer to it of like I made the soap it's pretty awesome and it's useful yeah Yeah. and if you say bad words I'll wash your mouth out with it
5: (laughs) (laughs) And you know what's in it, so you yeah. don't feel too That's bad a about eating poison, like- right? <laughs> you know exactly. You what's you enjoy in
2: that it? elk steak for? Did you enjoy that elk steak for dinner? We well, now have some have, elk soap. Have you ever? Um,
1: <laughs> have you ever gone into like candle? No, no, no. With oh man, this is kind of outside the soap realm. But
5: I haven't. Um, I definitely have started thinking about it. Um, But I just haven't – where I'm planning on hopefully getting some bees next year. So I'm hoping to do, like, beeswax. But I just haven't had so much tallow stored up that I felt like I could make enough candles to make it worth all of the supplies you need to buy to begin with. Um, But I I have plenty to keep me in soap. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have enough to keep me in soap and a fresh That's... supply of candles, <laughs> so I, I choose my battles for now. But I've definitely been encouraging folks to like just save save your fat if you're some like I understand there are times when you cannot you cannot st- save anything extra. Like I, I understand that, but if you're in a position where you can, then you know you might as well give it a shot. And if you don't want to try it yourself, pass it off to somebody who will. Because I've talked to enough people that are at least willing to try it. Some folks are a little bit intimidated by the process because maybe it kind of sounds weird to begin with, but I think once folks get through the first jab at it, it's, it's definitely worth it. And it's, I mean, like, especially if you're somebody who, you know, watches what's in, you know, the products you're buying, like your soaps or whatever. I mean, you can't, you can't beat it. I, I went through a period of like trying to buy, certain kinds of soaps are only mm-hmm. using stuff with ingredients I recognized or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I ended up buying like, you know, $5 bars of soap each time. And, um, that, you know, it's, I can make, I can make an entire, you know, quarter of a year's worth for probably the same That's price.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. Have you ever done like, like return on investment kind of cost, cost analysis for this?
5: I haven't, but it's, it's yeah. so low. I mean okay, if you if you take out the price of yeah, hunting, definitely not. Like I'm not <laughs> pretending that I'm like saving money by hunting by any means, but um if you take out the the price of of big game hunting right. in general and you take it as like okay, this is a byproduct of something I'm already doing. All right? So you have that the the process of rendering is practically free. All you need is electricity and water um or a fire, I guess, if you, if you do it that way. Um and then the actual soap making ingredients are lye, which I just bought um, a case of two, and they're I think they're a pound each, and it was sixteen dollars yeah, I was just looking Amazon, at one I think. Uh, food grade and,
2: for one pound jar for nine ninety nine on Amazon.
5: Yeah, and it's it's um it's cheap, and you use you use like. You know, maybe between 10 and 12 ounces for a batch of soap. Um, and then the other ingredients are, like, olive oil. Um, and so that's for my product. Like, you could use just tallow. You could use just tallow and lye, and that's that's perfectly legit. Um, I have really dry skin, so I add some other stuff. Uh, coconut oil is really good for, like, a really strong cleaning. Like, so if you had a bar of soap that you put in your workshop to get off the engine grease, hmm, you could okay. do like coconut oil, like pure coconut oil, you know, it's like really strong. soap. um, so I do a mixture of those. So it's like really cleansing. The towel is really good for your skin. The olive oil is like really good for moisturizing sensitive skin. Um, but you can, you can do whatever you want. You can add avocado oil, <laughs> almond oil and whatever, you know, you can find, what about, what about what about truffle oil? I don't know if you'd um, want to smell like <laughs> truffle oil. <laughs> you could do that.
1: Yeah, in, in I food, mean, I love the it's, smell you of you it's a good food.
4: pasta dish. The truffle sky oil is, is great, your limit. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be garlic. I don't want to smell garlic like a truffle ravioli soap. dish or something.
2: So. <laughs> Just have like a, yeah. a pack of dogs following me around everywhere. They're like. <laughs> Hmm, what's yeah. that delicious smell?
5: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can do anything really, but um but all of those all of those ingredients, like I think I got a tub of coconut oil at Costco for mm-hmm. I don't know, ten bucks, something like that. And the olive oil probably costs the same. And I use the same stuff that I cook with generally. So it's like it it. I bought all those probably close to the beginning of this year and I still have them now. Um, So the, the price is nominal for so far. I'm not, I'm not like making enough to sell or anything like that. Um, So just making enough for my family is like, it's very, it's such
2: such a cool thing. I'm like, I I get excited about things like this, like very excited because it's like, Oh, I discovered not something new, but new to me. Like, Oh, this is awesome. like, Uh, And then I add this thing to the list, list to do. And, oh, yeah.
5: (laughs) Yep. One more thing on your list to do. Yeah. Every, for every new project, like I, I, I am a, I am a new project starter and not always a project (laughs) finisher, but, um, (laughs) this one is stuck. This, this one is stuck for me. This has been something that I really enjoy doing and I think it's worth it. So.
2: Awesome. Well, it's been fun I think we're starting to, uh, wind down on the time. Um, what's, uh, if somebody has a question, uh, or, or wanted to reach out to connect with you for, you know, your involvement in conservation or anything like that, what's a good way for them to connect with you?
5: Um, I am on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, my, Facebook, I think, is just Cassie Smith, um, and same for my Instagram. I think it's underscore ksmith underscore co. Um, that's a private account, so if you're real interested in adding me, you have to, you have to pass my <laughs> screening exam. <laughs> but um, I'm just kidding. But my I, I just started I just started a public account recently called the Front Forty Farm, and that's where we're going to be putting all of our little homesteady type projects. So you'll see – that's where – if you want to see videos on how to render fat, how to render elk tallow or deer tallow, go to the Front 40 Farm, all spelled out on Instagram, and there are videos oh,
2: there. Oh, I found it. show you how to do it. Boom. You just got a new follower. It has
5: a sunflower on there.
1: Yes. Uh, hundred six.
2: I think your number <laughs> like. No, you have like a something. you have like a hundred. <laughs> yeah, you have a hundred and six. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, look at that! Look at the turkeys.
5: Famous. <laughs> yeah, we just started that because we're gonna like. I mean, obviously, I've got a day job, but I'm gonna start trying to sell eggs and, and pasture raised poultry and you know some pork and stuff as we go. So it's where I've I've read that you have to have like a legitimate presence to actually sell stuff. So I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to put a forward page. Oh, it's, good. I guess.
2: it's a good page. Those are some orange yolks on those eggs. I love it. Oh yeah, there you go. You talk about the yeah. whole whole soap. I do too. Two little videos there. That's awesome. Not little. There.
5: Yep. You can see me in my pajamas doing it because I clearly <laughs> don't know how to social media.
2: <laughs> it's okay. I cook in my pajamas all the time. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, this is kind of like the last, the last uh, section of the show, I guess you could call it. So we give everybody the opportunity for a last thought or an alibi, or if you have a question, question, wh- whatever, uh, whatever you want to leave us or the the listeners with. So, since you're the guest tonight, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to go up first and.
5: Sure. Yeah. Uh well just again thanks for thanks for having me on. This is this has been fun. I'm definitely an introvert, so uh it's kind of a new experience for me, but this has been fun and I'd like to encourage everyone to to try the odd bits, try something new and weird that you haven't done before, even if it looks awesome. weird.
1: All right, Colin. Last thought. Uh yeah, just thanks for coming on. Um that was really cool. I've been curious about Making soap or uh, that's why I asked the candle question too, you know, trying to use every last bit of an animal, but um I don't know rooster testicles is might still be a long way off for me, but uh, <laughs> no it's really cool uh hopefully we'll we can get like a recipe or something like a just a basic soap recipe, and uh, I think we can we can probably work something out and post that up, and that'd be really cool,
4: yeah,
5: I can send you guys the my go to recipe as well and you guys can post
3: a link to it or something like
5: that
2: yeah we could definitely do that um emily last last thought
3: no this is like super awesome this is like something that i'm like i would be so into i just it's kind of overwhelming so you made it sound very simple and something that anybody can do and um no i loved it like I loved listening. I didn't. I didn't speak much because I was just like absorbing everything. So it was great.
2: We'll tell you that's rarity. Don't <laughs> oh, hush. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I don't. I don't mean to be rude. It's all in jest. <laughs> um. No, but th- thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, it, it was an awesome show. I'm excited. I I can tell both as Colin and Emily said they're super excited too. So, um, I think. I think everybody will enjoy this episode, which is really good. And, and, you know, it was awesome for you to make the time to share, share it with us. And we got to know you a little better and learn about soap making and, uh, the front 40 farm, which I'm excited to follow too and see, see your progress there as well. So, um, I will encourage everybody go, uh, you know, check out front 40 farm on social media and, and if you got any, uh, you know, any questions? Let us know and stand by. I, I think I think we may put together some some more content on this subject because I think people are intrigued. So uh, more to come on that. Stay tuned. But as always, our show notes will be available online, so you can scroll down and uh, you'll see all the links. Or you go to Harvest in Nature and the, our podcast are there as well, and you can click the show note links there. And then uh, make sure you're following Harvesting Nature on social media. Stay up to date with all the cool things that are going on here. And then uh, don't forget about the hats for reviews. So whatever podcast platform you're listening to, punch that five-star button. Leave us a review. Tell us what we're doing wrong or, you know, tell us what we're doing right. Thanks, everybody, and have a good night.